right, let's get into this text. It's not a long one. Uh, All the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. John 6, 37. So recently I had a birthday, and uh, at at birthday, one one of my favorite things about a birthday is that you get gifts. I know, like nowadays, people, you know, you say, what would you like? And they, oh, I don't want anything. Um, And funny enough, the older you get, the more you don't want anything. I'm starting to realize that. It's actually like a true thing. You, You want to, like, try to give things away. Oh, don't burden me with something else. <laughs> but, but there are some things that you would really like. It becomes a little bit more niche, I guess. And so birthdays are still um, quite fun. And I was thinking about it. I think that there's different categories of birthday gifts. Um, you have, uh, thank you, you have re-gifts. Has anyone ever got a re-gift or given a, a gift that you've received? <laughs> yeah, Sam? So I don't think, I think re-gifts get a bad name, but they don't have to. I think re-gifts are quite nice sometimes. Sometimes you like something so much that you want to share it with someone else. Um, <laughs> you're laughing because obviously that's not how you re-gifted. But I'd give you an example. For my birthday, someone gave me some really, they gave me a pair of really nice chili oil. And I have a particular friend that loves chili sauce. And so because I had two, it was like, well, one must be for me and the other must be for them. Um, so re-gifting was a lot of fun because it's like, oh, someone's given me something, but I know you love it. I can pass it on to, to you. Or wine. I like wine. I just don't really drink it. But my, my wife likes and drinks it. And so when someone gives me a bottle of wine, I often re-gift it to her. Um, and then she says, which she did on my birthday, I got a bottle of wine. And she's like, oh, that's great. I'm so glad I got a bottle of wine. And um, she just claims it. And she says, I'll save it for uh, Caleb. He's my drinking buddy. (laughs) (coughs) Then there's general gifts. These are those kinds of things. um, These are like this. You just buy them because you go, I hope they're going to bless someone. So I know we have three kind of, this is, it's a bit unfair because there's most of the people here. But um, does anyone over here like Kit Kat? Milo Kit Kat. Joel. Sorry, Joel's hand went straight up. (laughs) Andy, could you and Joel share that? Or <laughs> Does anyone over here like... Yeah, there you go. Nice. Anyone over here like... So, oh. Sorry. Sorry, gentlemen. I should have bought a fourth one. Brian, I'll owe you one. Zeke will bring one to school tomorrow. Uh, Tuesday. Don't go to school tomorrow. Oh, you guys are filming tomorrow, aren't you? It's a big day. All right. Um... So those are general gifts. You buy them hoping they'll bless someone, but you don't really know. But they, they're kind of good things. And, and when, you, when you don't really know exactly what's going to bless someone, you buy them a general gift. And then there's... Um, <coughs> so he just turned a general gift into a re-gift. <laughs> right there. Well done. Nice. And then there's imposed gifts. Those are gifts that someone gets you because when they looked at it, they remembered you. Well, they thought of you, right? And they're like, oh, when I saw this thing, I thought of you, so I bought it. And now the hope is, I hope you enjoy it the way that I enjoy buying it for you. And these can be fairly random. Sometimes you're like, why did you think of me when you saw this thing? <laughs> and we can take them quite personally because the person thought of us when they saw this thing. And they're kind of associated with us. And we may, not, we may or may not want to be associated with this. Um, but, but the heart of, it, of those imposed gifts is, I thought about you. 
And I hope this blesses you. I didn't want to just think about you. I went above and beyond and actually purchased this thing or made this thing or drew this thing or wrote this thing. And I passed it on to you and I hope it's a blessing. Um, And then there's maybe a a fourth kind of category, which is the, the most thoughtful gifts. And this is when you know someone and you know something about them that will bless them. If you know Ant, you might consider getting him certain kinds of cheeses. And you can go around the room, and and as you know one another, there may be things that you'd go, oh, I know this person, this would be a blessing to them, that thoughtful, or this would not be a blessing to them. I won't buy this thing for them, they won't like it. Um, And so that's kind of a thoughtful gift. A couple years ago, a bunch of friends clubbed together and bought me uh, a surfboard that was made for me, and I will never, ever get rid of that surfboard. Uh, I find it hard to even take it to the ocean, which it's for, because it's so meaningful to me. Because it, it, when I go surf, I go surf with all the people who gave me this board. It feels like a kind of a group activity. It's just amazing. I would never, ever give th- that surfboard or any other surfboard to Jib, though, because Jib doesn't even like the ocean. I mean, I think he sees God has made it beautiful, but I think he would rather see it on a screen or in a picture. As a, I don't think he wants to see it with sand touching his feet. So I wouldn't give Jib a surfboard necessarily because it wouldn't be a blessing to him, not because he's not worthy of it. It just wouldn't touch his heart. It would just have to sit in his garage or on his wall or somewhere. So there's thoughtful gifts. Um, and so gifts come in all these kinds of shapes and sizes. And um, I think the greatest gift... And, and I'm so grateful for these gifts, is when you're able to look at someone and you're able to say, you are a gift to me. If you never do anything, if you never say anything else to me, just you. I cannot believe that God has let you come into my life. I can't believe that God, God foresaw that I would, in the course of my life, get to know you, and we would meet. You are such a gift to me. Um, I wonder if I can ask you, I'm not going to impose this on you. Um, that's not a gift in this moment. But, <laughs> but if someone came to mind, maybe just, if they're in this room, maybe just look at them and, and give them an elbow. If they're not, would you just take your phone out and type, you are a gift to me, And just push send and then put your phone on airplane mode. Otherwise, there's going to be crazy long chats that that go on. Don't get distracted. But just take a moment. Pull your phones out and just send someone a message. You are a gift to me. Um, And if you're a teenager, don't snap everyone you know. And then seriously, you probably have to put it on airplane mode or we're going to all be distracted. I encourage you as often as you can, because God is so kind that He gives us these people all the time. As often as you can, tell people that they are a gift to you. All right, so the text this morning speaks about a gift. And Jesus says three things about this gift. He tells us where the gift is comes from. So we're going to ask, where does this gift come from? We're going to ask, who is this gift for? And we're going to ask, what does Jesus do with this gift? Number one, who does this gift come from? John writes, 
All the Father gives, these are Jesus' words in the red part of the Bible in your New Testament. So these are words that Jesus spoke. Jesus says, all the Father gives. So the gift comes from the Father, God the Father. This is the giver of the gift. So there's no doubt in Jesus' mind who this gift comes from. And this is important for us to understand. If you think you found something, then you might think you got lucky um, or you took something of someone else's because it was left lying around. It's hard. I mean, it's easy when you find a few coins, you know, just leave those as someone else's. When there's a $50 note lying in the road, it's, it's not as easy to remember it's someone else's. It's from Jesus, yeah. This is from the Father in heaven. He's like, took it out of someone's wallet. Um, so this is a gift that the Father wants to give. This is the intention of the Father. And it's clear to Jesus um, that this is a gift that comes from, a, from the Father. Um, the other thing that we see here, though, is that the Father gives everything He intends to. It says, all the Father gives. It's not some of the gift. Uh, you, surely you know with me there's some birthdays or anniversaries or Christmases or, or some where you say to someone, you know, I wanted to. My heart was much bigger than my ability to give you something because I didn't have it or I didn't have it or I didn't think about it soon enough or whatever the reasons may be. But um, I'm sorry, there's more coming or, you know, you know, whatever it might be. Jesus goes, all the Father gives. In other words, God, God the Father gives everything He intends on giving. There's nothing missing in the gift. Absolutely nothing. It's all there. And that's super important. It's super important to know that every single part of the gift arrives and it's given. And so it comes from God and it's lacking absolutely nothing. So who does this gift go to? Jesus says, all the Father gives me will come to me. The gift goes to Jesus, God the Son. So the gift initiated by the Father is given to the Son. And what this shows us, it takes us to the very heart, the very nature of what the Father and the Son are like. I, I, I think you might be interested, and you may not be, some of you might be interested. Nas and I have been walking together for 18 years. You might be interested to hear what we got each other for our anniversary. Because it would say something about our relationship. We'd get to the very heart of who we are. If you found out we got, um, I, I, I got nothing in my imagination. I, I, so I won't just, but you know, you would expect that whatever we pass to one another as a gift to say thank you for these 18 years, I hope for 18 more, it would say something about our relationship. This gets to the very heart. The gift gets to the very heart of what the father and the son appreciate and love in their relationship together. They have eternally existed together before the creation of the world. The Father and the Son have eternally existed. And this gift is going to be a blessing from the Father. And it's going to be a blessing to the Son. Both are going to be equally blessed. Do you know when you give a gift, you feel blessed to give it? I don't know what's more enjoyable, getting a gift or giving a gift. It's hard to know. It's so fun to give something to someone that you know is going to bless them. It's also so fun, honestly, to receive something that is a blessing as well. And here it's happening that the Father and the Son are equally blessed. The one gives, the one receives, but it gets to the very heart of what they both want, what they desire, what they long for. 
Like I told you, I wouldn't give a, a surfboard to Jib because he doesn't long for one. He doesn't desire one. He doesn't want one. But there's something that God and the Father share, uh, the Father and the Son share in desire and love. This, this also tells us about a confidence that Jesus has. All the gift will come to me. He says, so all the Father, every bit of the gift, that's one part. That talks about the Father, all that the Father intends. Welcome back from Europe, Anaya. Good to see you. All that the Father intends will come to me. That's, that's, that tells you about Jesus. You know, so you might, uh, those of you who've got family overseas, you would know what this is like. They send you a present, and then customs goes through that present, and then you get some of it when it <laughs> arrives. Right? You've, you've, you know what I'm talking about. So the first part talks about the Father. He will send all of it. He will give all of it. He will miss none of it. But then Jesus says that through the process of life, it all comes to me. It arrives to me. It gets to me. I receive it all. There's nothing in between the giving and receiving that is lost. And that's significant and important. And there's a confidence that Jesus has. When he opens up his gift, he's not worried. Is there some part missing? Is there something I didn't receive, which I should have received, but it just because of circumstances or history or something that happened, it didn't come to me, but the Father intended it to come to me? What a loss. Jesus says, absolutely not. All the Father wants to give me is going to come to me. Man, what confidence. Nothing's lost. Nothing's stolen. Nothing's diminished. Nothing, nothing expires along the way. It all gets to Jesus. So what does Jesus do with the gift? Number three. Jesus says, whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. Jesus keeps it forever. Those words, I will never cast out. Not I'll keep it for a long time. Not I'll keep the most precious parts of it. Not I'll keep the parts I like and re-gift the parts I don't. The whole gift and all of it that comes to me, I will keep it all forever. I will never cast it out. So let's just be very clear about what the gift is. Most of you know, but some of you might not. The gift that Jesus is talking about very explicitly is, is all those people that the Father is saving through faith in the finished work of Jesus. The Bible says that God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. He sent Jesus into the world. He sent Jesus into the world to live a life we couldn't, to die on the cross as a punishment for our sins. Our sins are, what is sin? Sin is that we have loved other things more than God. We've lived for ourselves, not God. We have other affections, other priorities, other values, other goals, other decisions before God. We have a humanistic world. We focus in on ourselves. We make ourselves the center of the world. And in every way that our life is centered on us, it's a sin against our Creator God. 
and Jesus, uh, God sends Jesus into the world to be punished in our place so that He can give us forgiveness. And even on the cross, Jesus says, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. There's, there's, um, they need help, Father. They need us. And Jesus is raised to life so that He can raise all who come to Him. And how do we come to Him when Peter was preaching the gospel for the first time and they said, we've killed the Messiah and He's been raised to life. What should we do? He said, you should repent and be baptized. We come to Him humbly and we say, you know, God, we realize we can't save ourselves. We can't earn forgiveness. We don't deserve this. And He goes, I know. Jesus has done it all. And through Jesus, you can get forgiveness. He washes us whiter than snow. It's grace. How is um, this any different? Let me just tell you how different this is. In every other religion or philosophy, there's nothing like this. I, I won't say re- the names of religions, but there's, uh, there's some beliefs in North Africa that believe you have to fight to make the gods happy. So in order to make gods happy, you must run around beating each other up. That makes gods happy. Please, I want to make the gods happy. Just hit me. There's other groups that have to pray five times a day to make God happy. There's other groups that have over 2,000 laws you have to keep strictly to make God happy. You will never, ever be able to achieve perfection in any legal system. Why? Because we we love other things. Because we're bent on ourselves. If there's ever do this to make God happy, you're not going to be able to accomplish it. The Greek gods were, the the reason partly why we have the Olympics, not entirely, but partly the Olympics were around appeasing Greek gods, making them happy for their entertainment. Atheism as a belief system says there isn't a God that you can make happy. I mean, that's maybe the worst belief system. Don't even worry about God, because if He doesn't exist, you're on your own. Humanism says, you are God, make yourself happy. That hasn't really worked out. Christianity says, God has done everything to make Himself happy in you. Just stop. Turn to Him. Receive His forgiveness, His grace and His mercy. He's done it all. Just receive it. There's nothing like that in the world. There's nothing like that in the whole world. But what do I have to do? Stop raging against God. Just receive His grace and mercy. Receive His love. Stop fighting against Him. Stop running after other things. Turn. So the gift is everyone who puts their faith in Jesus. Everyone who sees their need for forgiveness, who knows that they accept. You know, Christians, Christians, the one thing Christians should know is we're not better than anyone else. The idea that, that people in the world think that Christians think that they're superior, better, you know, can speak into everyone else's life is so wrong. Christians know they are sinners in need of grace. If anything, they know better than anyone else that they're not perfect. 
Christian will not say, I'm basically a good person. That is not a Christian statement. A Christian will say, I'm basically not a good person. I may at times do some good things, but fundamentally I'm selfish. Self-seeking. Sometimes I do things good for people to get their approval. Really, it's for me. Sometimes I work hard to make lots of money. Really, it's for me. The, difference that, the only difference that a Christian knows is that they can fall before a loving and gracious and merciful God and say, I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? Help me to know your love. And Jesus says he will never cast people out. In verse 40, if, in the same chapter, if you read on, it says, It's the will of the Father. So this is the Father's deep longing and desire. And the Father always gets his will. It's the will of the Father that everyone who looks to the Son will have eternal life, and I will raise them up. Jesus says, so this gift has come to me. I will never cast it out. Let me tell you furthermore, this is why. It's the will of the Father that they will never that they will have eternal life. That's what the Father wants. That's what God wants, is that they will have eternal life. So what I will do with this gift the Father has given me is I will raise them to life. That's our future. As Ortland said something like, our future is very bright. And anyone can get in on it. He's done it all. So what makes us so valuable to Jesus? That sounds like a humanistic question, but I'm not so much trying to say, you know, what makes Jesus lucky that he gets us, as much as I'm just trying to say, why would God even bother? Why would Jesus even bother? What do you, what do you suppose has more value? A painting of Nelson Mandela or a painting that Nelson Mandela did while he was imprisoned? Which one has more value? The prison one? Yeah? What has more value? A song that is written for you about the Beatles or a song written to you by the Beatles? The second one. There's something more valuable about receiving or understanding something given to us by the Creator. And this is what makes us so valuable, is that God has created us in His image. That We are a gift because we are given from the Creator. He has made us His image bearers. We're not some alien uh, thing that God found in the universe somewhere as on His galactic mission and we're kind of cute and interesting, and so some of us He takes to, uh, into eternity so that we can entertain Him. He has created us, formed us, made us, loved us in His image. It's a little bit like this, a little bit like this. Don't, don't take this too far because it, it will go wrong so quickly. <laughs> it's a little bit like this. Nas and I have made four human beings. They are very, very, very valuable to me. But there are other human beings that have also been made. All human beings. And in this church, there's some babies, and they are very precious. But none of them are more precious than my four children to me. They've been, they, to, to me, they've been they are made. We are the creators of them. They are valuable and precious, and I love them. Please don't, don't take that any further than 
because that could get wildly uh, terrible quickly. The point is this. We are made in God's image. We are found as image bearers of God. We are reformed in God's image. The Holy Spirit comes and makes us to be like Jesus, the Son of God, more and more like Him. We are valuable and precious to Him because we are, He is our Creator. And so our value comes from Him. We don't, why, why is this important? Because you don't have to make yourself intrinsically valuable. Uh, sorry, you are intrinsically valuable. You don't have to make yourself valuable. That's what every other religion does. Make yourself acceptable to your God. Make yourself, or humanism, make yourself acceptable to yourself. Christianity says God has accepted you as you are. And He's going to change you from that point. He's going to make you more and more like Jesus. But He has accepted you just as you are. You don't even know exactly what you're like. He will show you over time. But just as you are. Hopefully my four children know that they're accepted just as they are. Hopefully they don't walk through the front door after school and go, now I better put on that mask because I know dad and mom will only be happy with me if I behave a certain way. Hopefully they can bring all their teenage grumpiness and uh, mood swings. I'm, I'm just talking about the boy at the moment. <laughs> just, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. He's called Chuckles for a reason. He's, a one, he's got a wonderful personality, wonderful uh, sense of humor. I just don't want to throw the girls under the bus. Um, so, hopefully they can be themselves with us. And hopefully they know mom and dad may challenge us, they may change us, they may work on our character, but they accept us as we are. And that's what we get from the Father. The Father has loved us. He has gifted us to Jesus. Jesus has received us. But all of that has happened just as we are. Martin Lloyd-Jones used to ask people as he discipled them in his office, do you consider yourself a good Christian? Just think about that answer for a second. Do you consider yourself a good Christian? Most times people would say to him something like, well, I'm trying to be. Or, well, I'm probably a better Christian than I was because you know, I've read more of my Bible now. I've been trying to pray more. I've been coming to church more often. Or any, any answer like that, Martin, Martin Lloyd-Jones would say, you don't understand. What makes you a good Christian is the finished work of Jesus. If you believe in Jesus, you are as good a Christian as the most saintly saint. Because they are washed by exactly the same blood, forgiven by exactly the same King, and will be raised to exactly the same eternal life. Now what you want to do for Him is up to you in this life. How you walk with His Spirit is encouraged, and we are all told to obey Him as Christians. And we should. But not all my children obey equally. But they're all equally my children. And not all God's children obey Him equally. But all God's children are His children. And He accepts us as we are. Let me draw to a close. We say... Jesus, I don't always feel like a gift. Do you always feel like a gift? I'll tell you, some, I'll tell you a secret. Most of you wouldn't be able to comprehend this, but I'll, I'll just trust me. I'm a pastor. I shouldn't lie. Sometimes I get grumpy. What? Yeah. I know. 
Thank you. Some, some of you look genuinely shocked, but most, <laughs> most of you, unfortunately, are like, oh, I thought that was going to be juicy. Sorry to disappoint you. This week I was grumpy. I get grumpy when, I, when there's stress. I, there's certain stresses at the moment. And, and when things are beyond my ability to work out in my own strength, and it requires faith and peace that comes from God alone, my reaction is grumpiness. I can't be the Lord of my own life. My reaction is I get grumpy about that. Things are out of my control. I don't know what's going on. What's happening, Jesus? Help me. Ah. And then there's humans in my life who still need me. Children and wife and whatever else. Friends. So I was grumpy. At some points in this week, I thought, I wonder when Nass will get over me. Probably around like 36 hours into grumpiness, I was like, at some stage, she's going to have to snap. She's tried feeding me to make sure it's not hangry. She's tried giving me alone time to make sure it's not just, you know, just you being going, going, and people, people, people. She's tried all the wife tricks, and I'm still grumpy. When is she going to go, Mark? I'm tired of this. You are a Christian man. Deal with your heart, and you should ask for forgiveness quickly, and then I will forgive you. But, you know, pull yourself together. Pull yourself towards yourself. But her grace abounded, and her grace never ran out. Well, her, it made, made, I, don't, I don't know when her grace would run out. My grumpiness ran out before her grace did. My point is this. Do you always feel like a gift to everyone? You always feel like a gift to your spouse, to your friends, to your parents? Do you always feel like a gift to God? Have you ever gone to Jesus and said, I don't feel much like a gift to you? And Jesus might say, you're special because the Father willed you to me and I willed you from Him. We desire to have you. That's what makes you special. Jesus, I don't think you know where I've been or what I've done. Jesus says, it's not where you've been that saves you. It's where I've been and what I've done. But Jesus, I've sinned. I know. That's why you're a gift. It's the only way you could come to me. But Jesus, I've sinned more than I've admitted. I know. I paid it all, and you'll see it all one day. But Jesus, I can't promise that I'll stop. I know. You're really going to need my help. But Jesus, I've got nothing to bring to the table. I know. That's why I brought all you need. Jesus, to be clear, it's not everyone I've sinned against. I've sinned against you. I know. That's why I'm the only one who can forgive you of it all. Jesus, 
I can never deserve this grace and mercy. It's a gift that's too valuable. Jesus says, yes, but I'm the Father's gift to you, and you are the Father's gift to me. We must receive each other. Jesus, I'll probably test your patience because I'm not perfect. Jesus says, whoever comes to me, I will never discard. You are a gift to me. Jesus, I don't always love as I should. I know. You'll need all of my perfect love first. You understand this morning that you are the Father's gift to Jesus. And if you are, He will never discard you. Our Christian journey may be ups and downs. There may be moments where we're crushing it and other moments when we feel crushed. But in every one of the moments, Jesus says, if we could see him eyeball to eyeball, I will never discard you. Is Jesus the Father's gift to you this morning? He invites you. Our future is bright and all are invited. Do you want a relationship with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? Do you want to turn from humanism or atheism or religion to the God of grace and mercy? It's the very heart of God, God to hold those whom He has saved through the blood of Jesus. That's what He's doing. What is, what is God doing? He's holding us all. He will never let us go. He will never discard us. 